Welcome. You're listening to a Mr. Thrive Media Production. I absolutely adore the journey that Paul Melanson has gone through. I mean, if you're listening to this song right now, this is his music. We're going to be talking about his process and the way that he makes this kind of music, the mindset that he has to get into. What does the listener receive on an emotional level when they listen to this music? We're going to be talking all about that. But we're also going to be talking about his mental health journey and what he went through during this pandemic. Fighting depression, picking up the pieces, figuring out what the next step is. That is Paul Melanson. And if you can't relate to that, then you've had a different pandemic experience than all of us. We've spoken to a few artists on the show that have suffered from depression. And like many of the other artists, Paul has triumphed and is pursuing music in a really beautifully done way. Also, we just had a terrific networking event this month. I'm so excited to see you at the next event, which is going to be announced soon. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to give you an insider hint. It's a Pride-themed month. It's also going to mark the one-year anniversary of doing the Mr. Thrive Media networking events. Holy cow, we've officially done a year. This is insane. So not much of a hint, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. You have stumbled upon the Mr. Thrive Podcast, where together we discover emerging artist, composer and songwriter Paul Melanson. Paul, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here, man. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, having me on and chatting again. Absolutely. And by the way, for those who are listening, you guys for a few episodes of this podcast have now heard the theme song for this podcast. The reason why Paul is on is because Paul composed that song. He is an expert at what he does, and beyond that, he has composed a lot of music. He's even working on some video game work right now. He's worked on some soundtracks. We're going to dissect his career and the amazing stuff he does in a very quick second. But before we do that, Paul, are you ready for our trivia warm-up? I am as ready as I'll ever be. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Before we did this interview, I remember meeting you, you know, like I remember doing the introduction call. And you told me that one of your major role models for your for your music and what you do is and per, forgive me if I pronounce his name wrong, Nobuo Umatsu. Umatsu, yeah. That's Umatsu. So I picked up trivia about his life. All right, you ready? I will try my best. All right, all right. Well, here we go. Okay. Question one: Who taught Nobuo Umatsu his ability? in music was it a elton john b martin o'donnell c yo-yo ma or d none of the above d he taught himself he was brilliant self-taught he was inspired to play the piano by elton john though i remember that elton john and the beatles Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's right very good we read the same wikipedia article article excellent all right question two what was the first game Uomatsu composed music for? Was it A, Cruise Chaser Blasty, B, Aliens, Aliens 2, C, Final Fantasy, or D, Blue Dragon? What was A? I know he did a couple of games before Final Fantasy. It was Cruise Chaser Blasty. That's, that's what A is. It's got to be that one. <laughs> Correct. You're killing it so far. For someone who was, un- who was unsure. His, his first Nintendo game was uh, 3D World Runner and then Final Fantasy. Got it. Well, but that was I, a I great. I know he did a couple of uh, like old computer games uh, before then. So, Right, right. Well, you're killing it so far. Here's the last question for our warm-up, okay? Let's see if you can get three for three, okay? What concert played solely Final Fantasy music? Was it A, Okinawa Ignites, B, Taiko Palooza, C, Tour de Japan, or D, Pacifico Yokohama? There, there have been a few, and I didn't recognize any of those off the top of my head. Can you repeat those? I want to sure. Those. It was Okinawa Ignites, Taiko Palooza, Tour de Japan. Or Pacifico Yokohama? The Tour de Japan, I believe, right? Correct. Brilliant. Although, I mean, it's Tour, it's tour de Japan, so G-A-P-O-N yeah. on how they spell it. But yeah, 
great job. You killed. That's three for three right there. That was the first time that they went independent. So there's a there's a popular one in the States called The Distant Worlds, uh, which is a lot of Final Fantasy. It's all Final Fantasy music, but they also have some of the music from other Final Fantasy composers that were later on. I did get to I did get to catch one of those concerts and hearing the music you grew up on in, in a live orchestra is uh, kind of a childish dream come true. I, I love it. I love it. And by the way, uh, it's it's you've been killing me with these follow up facts after the questions, because typically after these questions, I actually put little notes of like, what what's the what's the follow up fact? And you've been you've been blowing any follow up fact of mine out of the water. Like my my follow up fact for the first question was that yes, he was self taught, but I did not know that he was inspired specifically for piano because of Elton John and the and the Beatles. Um, for question three though, all, the only fo- follow up fact that I had after that was it happened in two thousand four. <laughs> that was all I had. <laughs> the only reason I knew the only reason I knew that uh, title was I was like thinking back to like. Which live albums have I listened to of that? And then that one sounded the most familiar. So right, I believe right. Well, that's, that's whenever he went into he did an independent con- concert tour of specifically his music from those series. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. Well, you've aced the trivia. We we can now start talking about your life and what you do. Let's familiarize this audience, our community, our thrivers, with what you're currently doing in the music game what is it exactly that you're doing besides producing the theme song for my podcast well the best way i think the best way i put it is i'm doing everything that i can (laughs) (laughs) i i spent time focusing down on you know specific worlds uh doing film scoring playing in bands or uh you know, writing songs and nothing in there ever felt like that's the specific one thing I want to do. So why not just try and do all of it? (laughs) (laughs) Have you gone crazy yet? No, it's actually what keeps me sane. uh, (laughs) I think, because I think especially when I first moved to Los Angeles, I was very like intensely adamant about going into film scoring and going into TV scoring and getting all sorts of projects and that, and trying to, you know, assist other composers and, you know, really, really play that grind of a game The you know, the, the networking in Los Angeles to find directors and to find those opportunities. And eventually I hit a huge wall with it uh, because I wanted to be doing songs with people. I wanted to be playing in bands still. I wanted to be producing pop music. I wanted to like write my own songs. I wanted to co-write. I wanted to do video games. Uh, So I actually hit kind of a burnout a few years ago uh, being so like intensely trying to do the film scoring thing and how incredibly difficult that is not having the the immediate results after what three or four years so i just needed to step back and in that that reflection period uh i just started like writing music for myself again and re relearning why i loved making music and why i loved uh collaborating with people and yeah what did that burnout phase look like for you? That was, it was bad. <laughs> to, put it, to put it lightly. Uh, so I also, I, I was also, they could be related, could be directly influencing one another, but uh, I had a undiagnosed clinical depression and ADHD and all these other things that, I had just kind of like put off and ignored in the name of hustle culture and the name of uh, getting it all done. Uh, And I think that's not, not letting myself like take a step back and, and realize that I'm doing it because it's something I love and 
all the other great reasons to be pursuing creative things. Um, I definitely got to a point where like I couldn't even turn my computer on. I couldn't even like sit down and play it. You know, I couldn't even like sit down and like play my guitar for more than 30 minutes without feeling like frustrated and totally blocked. So the thing that broke me out of it was stepping away from producing for a little bit. And I went out and took like songwriting classes and started taking like voice lessons and getting connected to that. Just a complete left field, like side of myself. Um, and that, you know, over the last two, three, well, two years, three is the quarantine year, which is a whole other thing <laughs> that we can get into. If you're, if you're listening in the future, there was this thing, there was this thing in, in 2020 where we couldn't leave <laughs> our houses and, and creative people all went insane. Yeah. And then how'd you, how'd you get out of it then? was just making music for myself just getting away and it kind of reaffirmed that I kind of reaffirmed and proved to myself that I could still make things that I enjoyed um because when you're working on just when when you're working on like just film music just like collaborative projects like that um your music is basically telling it's it's being informed by picture it's being informed by another story so that type of music can be very like minimal and it can really you know to to really best serve like the picture and the movie that you're doing you don't necessarily end up with a project would be like oh this is a banger i can play in my car later uh this like this like 12 minute emotional piano swelling thing it's like okay so this move or this tiny this tiny like short film like i wrote a five minute awesome thing that i love but it's only going to go to like a, a film festival and like never see the light of day past that uh so there was like there was like a level of like there's a huge grind of 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 that world where you're not going to see commercial success immediately unless you're like very, 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 very lucky. Um, so I found myself in like that kind of feedback loop of uh, I'm just kind of spinning my own wheels. And that's why I needed to, that's why I needed to go start producing pop music and, and getting, you know, just playing, playing in a, I started playing in a rock band with my friends and stuff. And we were just playing mostly cover songs and some of, some of their songs, some of my songs and just, just getting back around, around people, writing songs with people, um, was absolutely like a huge thing. Uh, and I never, I never pinned myself as a songwriter before either. It was lyrics were never something that I, cared to focus on they were never something that i listened to you know i always picked up on the melodies first and the rhythms as a kid there's all these old records it's like yeah i know that album backwards and front but i don't know any of the words to the songs <laughs> and now after like spending a year like like learning the craft of songs and and the structure and 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 everything something clicked and songs became like puzzles. And now I'm go now I go back and rediscover albums that other people were listening to 20, 30 years ago. And I was just like, Oh, there's this whole other like layer that I can peel away now just cause I acquired this new. It's a good feeling, isn't it? It is. It is. So, and this is something that I actually got from therapy. Uh, I figured out that I'm the type of person who's good at, starting something and not as good at finishing something. So when it comes to like sparking my imagination and staying creative, I have to like constantly like be like starting something like starting a new system or, or getting a new instrument or getting a new sound. Uh, so I have to like constantly re up myself to, to, 
kind of get that fire back. But being self-aware of that, it's not just going to be something I can uh, churn out, you know, as a factory without having like some sort of like kindling <laughs> to get the fire started. Sure. And that, and that kindling, is that specifically just the capital having the money to do it? No, I don't think I don't think the money sometimes the money does absolutely nothing for me personally. Sometimes sometimes I I can recall I can recall like one of the bigger projects that I I won't I won't tie it to what the project is because, you know, I'll feel guilty about it. But I easily procrastinated like more on that project because of like the overwhelming sensation of how serious it felt now because of how much money was attached to it. So I was like, well, I really can't screw it up now. But the thing that broke me away from that was stripping, stripping that like expectation away. So I think when I strip, when you're able to like strip the expectation away from, from stuff and just get back to a point of like play, that's what the kindling is for me. It's when some aspect of it, just like tugs on my neurons and makes me want to like learn something inside and out about something new. So I have to constantly be like feeding myself that kind of input. I I like, I like that expression tug on my neurons, you know, Hey folks, we're going to take a quick break. And before we do that, I want to emphasize the fact that because of this pandemic, Mr. Thrive Media realized that we need to do a better job at supporting small business wherever we can. So enjoy. Finally, a better way to hold your phone. Introducing Steady Straps. Made here in the USA, Steady Straps are high quality, flexible straps that adjust to hold virtually any phone comfortably and securely. Steady Straps are washable and come in a wide range of colors and styles. See them all at SteadyStraps.com because they're so visible, they're the perfect promotional item to advertise your company message or logo. Learn more at SteadyStraps.com. That's SteadyStraps.com. Hey, Thrivers, do you hear a certain difference in quality? That's because this podcast quality is made possible by Squadcast. Virtual recordings have become easier than ever with Squadcast Studio Quality SaaS remote recording platform. This cloud-based technology secures your files and minimizes post-production for all podcast producers. And I should know because I am one. Heighten the experience of your podcast by clicking the link in the show notes below. This podcast is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Mr. Thrive Media builds communities through its content marketing and networking events. During this pandemic, our dedicated team commits to the value of connection by producing podcast content while extending a helping hand towards artists and entertainment professionals. Mr. Thrive Media puts its values first by supporting small businesses and empowering emerging artists. For more information, visit www.mrthrive.com. That's mrthrive.com. But, but what is it that inspires you to make new music? I've always kind of had melodies in my head come to me just kind of my whole life. I think because of like, because of my like upbringing, my, you know, my dad used to, well, my dad's a drummer, but he was also like a, like a rock DJ in like Southern Louisiana back in the day. So we had thousands upon thousands of records at the house. We grow, you know, almost on a daily basis, we would have records on all all kind of like soul and rock records. Um, And around that same time, I was also like with, with a lot of other, you know, a lot of other people in our age range were cutting our teeth on like the Nintendo and, and all of those like, earworm earworm composers coming out of japan which were 20 somethings just trying to make ends meet but we got some of like the catchiest music like ever yeah Um, so some some way that whole amalgamation of that and i also grew up kind of as a band kid uh so i play the trombone uh which is the coolest instrument in the entire world uh, I will die on that hill. <laughs> I have respect for that. I just want to point out that I played trumpet when I was in uh, elementary school and middle school. And I, I was a school band kid as well. And one thing that will always infuriate me is the fact that, you know, when I was picking out my instrument, I wanted to do the trombone as well. 
and I showed up to the to the specific music store in my area. And this is after I told the teacher, yeah, I'm going to play trombone. So now, now my parents are taking me to go buy my first instrument. And I show up to the music store. And uh, when I show up, they say, oh, we're out of trombones. But we got trumpets. It's like it's like a trumpet. And I'm like, okay. And that's how I ended up playing a trump, being a trumpet player. <laughs> I originally wanted to play the trumpet. And I ended up picking the trombone because my oldest brother quit a couple of years back. And we already had a trombone. So I was like, I guess I'm playing that. <laughs> basically reverse stories right there that's great <laughs> yeah. my, my other brother who's a year older than me was already playing percussion in school so and we kind of came up together me and all my brothers are like very musical family uh so my brother ended up playing the drums i ended up playing in a band with my brother for the entirety of college and that was a lot of wacky fun what was the band name Oh, our band was called Dr. Tank. Dr. Tank. <laughs> you can still find our music like hidden on Bandcamp somewhere. <laughs> but it was like just we were just a really weird like rock three piece. And we we're just making fun, weird music and playing college parties and house parties and stuff. Tour in the south by loading up my Dodge Caravan and getting broke down on the side of the road. That's pretty cool. And my, my baby brother was, was one who was always like super talented and he could play drums. He could play trumpet. He could play guitar. He would basically learn anything like the second he picked it up. And I think my whole family is super talented, but I'm the only one who was hard headed enough to like pursue music as a profession. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. I'll say I'm the talent. I'm talented, but I think they're all the talented. Uh, they're all the talented ones. Well, I think me and the Thrivers can attest to the fact that you're pretty talented for the fact that they're listening to this podcast. They've heard your theme song now a few times. Oh yeah, I, mean, no, I did. I, I did make that one, didn't I? That was a fun yeah, one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm glad I wasn't a, a potential cause for the burnout you described. You know, because I, <laughs> you know, you were describing like like oh, you know, I, it's music that doesn't inspire me that. At least this is what I'm pick. This is what I picked up on. It's it's music that didn't inspire you, that you slaved for, that gave no return because it didn't advance your career and it didn't advance your spiritual journey, right? I think I think it was music that was only scratching like one type of itch for me at the mm. time, and like now I'm back to loving scoring and loving like doing short. I actually just uh, recently did a short film with my friend. Uh, Alec Maluski called Banana Phone, and it is a bizarre comedy drama about someone who basically learns he has a life-threatening illness that uh, he only has like a week to live, and it's pretty pretty like serious and heavy and like lighthearted. But the weird twist is everyone's phones are bananas, and that's the only weird thing. You can find oh, that one on YouTube or something. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so interesting. But yeah, I still, I still love scoring. I still love, uh, even just like making tracks. Like in January, I challenged myself to, I basically did like a beat a day challenge where, I would just write at least like a minute of music and just post it on Instagram just to say I got up and did something that day. And, you know, little, little things like that, just to keep things fresh. And they're, they're fun ways to like, like scratch those itches. Cause, cause sometimes I want to do like a, like a atmospheric orchestral piece that'll make you cry. And sometimes I want to like, just make a stupid pop song or, or, a, or a funky, like a funky rock tune or something, or, or like a video game soundtrack for a weird space Minecraft game. You know, the whole entire concept of making a song a day reminds me of the rapper Russ. Have you heard that guy? Yeah. 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 So, so he actually has a book out. And I remember a friend of mine when I was working at back in the day at Dave and Buster's, he actually showed me the book and I asked him to borrow it. He said, no, I'm still in the middle of reading it. I never ended up getting it. But uh, it's it's about this rapper's journey in writing one song a day all the way until he is famous, all the way until he makes it. 
and it's a it's a really great it's a, it's apparently a really great book about you know what the music industry is shaping to followed by what it takes to really uh make a name for yourself in in the music game and you're you're kind of already doing it you know you're picking up these projects and uh well i i slowed it down a little bit because that is a li- that is kind of a an intense endeavor to to do something yeah. absolutely every day oh, but at tough. the end of like at the end of a month though it's like i go i went back and listened to all the tracks i made and i'm like wow like five or six of these are really good and i really like them and i could see using them on my next album or something or um but the the thing i've been focused on recently uh aside from that scoring project that is now out um i'm working on an album with uh, my friend kitty uh she's doing a five track ep and i'm producing it and I co-wrote some of the songs on it as well. Um, but it's, it's just another, it's the first time. This is another first for me, but it's the first time I'm like, Oh, music in a way that I never expected is paying my bills this month, (laughs) which I could, I feel so like lucky to have progressively got to this point, you know? Right. And where, where do you see your career going from here then? From here, I just, if I can find ways to keep doing what I'm doing and grow it into, you know, grow it into, you know, a sustainable, sustainable enough business to where I can be taking on any sort of music project I want um, and kind of be guided by my interests. That was, that's what would really make me happy. I want to be the next Ludwig Goranson, maybe, uh, you know, go from scoring a, scoring a, marvel feature to to doing an album with childish gambino and you know there there are there are those that have uh lit the path up of being able to be a little bit of everything and i want to be john williams and rick rubin okay <laughs> <laughs> that's a great ambition for sure you went to college for this right but what, what was the college you went to again i went to a troy university in alabama um, got it what, what was the boy? Yeah, uh, studied, we studied. Um, I studied music industry specifically. The way that program was fairly new still when I was there, and I was kind of able to make what I wanted out of it a little bit. Um, and we focused on a wide, a wide spread of topics, be it like a like label A and R type stuff recording and mixing uh songs songwriting uh composition i was also throughout that entire time you know playing in like symphony orchestras and jazz ensembles and rock bands and brass quintets and i just kind of spent that whole time immersing myself as much as i could well that's great what, what would you say is the biggest lesson you gathered from that experience from that college i would say the biggest lesson i got from the entirety of college is that you have to allow yourself to step back and just have input and not like toil away forever like in your bat cave um because your creativity will generally come from experiences how you experience the world you know your best songs are going to be, you know, about a relationship that lasted for X amount of time. And then maybe it ended in a, in a, in a harsh way, or maybe you're going to be traveling and you're, you're like climbing a mountain or something. And then that Vista is going to inspire a song that you have to like hum into your phone and, and, uh, and try to recapture that majesty later on. I trailed off. My brain trailed off. Well, I thought it was a beautiful trail off, if you ask me. <laughs> I, I know. I realized in myself sometimes 
sometimes like the end of my sentence will have a complete divergence and I'll be happy with where it went, but it was not relevant to the initial question. And it's a very, sure. very, very ADHD brain thing. Yeah. Kind of reminds me more that I'm becoming more like proud of rather than upset about. I guess. Yeah. No, no, no. You should be. You should be. Listen, it, it reminds me of the famous, like that really funny line from the office where like Michael Scott goes, sometimes I just, don't know where a sentence is going to go. And I just start saying things until it makes a sentence. And it's, it's after this long rant that he has to his boss that makes no sense whatsoever. And I have to, I have to plug the office just because I'm actually in the middle of watching that show right now. Uh, I'm in the earlier seasons and there's so much of it that I totally forgot about. So it's really great to rewatch it again. It's a great show. Masterclass in, uh, in witty dialogue and timing. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely could teach that uh, and, and cringe humor too, because there are so many different moments in, in that show where Steve Carell just makes me cringe in my seat and like, like crawl all the way at the back of it going, Oh no, don't say that. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? There's one episode of that show that I almost can't even watch. There's one episode that is the one. What is it? You can ruin it now. It's been years. Scott, since. Scott's tots. Do you recall the episode? Kind of what, what happened to Scott's tots again? That's right. He basically promises a middle school class that if they go all the way through and graduate high oh, school, that's right pay for all of their college tuition. Oh my God. That's right. Some sort of millionaire. And every one of those kids passed and with flying colors and he, Oh my God. Yeah. He had to come clean about it. I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And I'm just like, my heart is breaking. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's a heartbreaking episode. I totally totally forgot about that oh my god oh my god <laughs> i'm cringing thinking about that episode because oh my god i totally forgot about that wow that was the hardest one most of yeah i'm like oh this is so crazy why would you do that right no for 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 me it's whenever michael scott starts bringing up something about race or gender or sexuality yes. oh, my god. oh my god just isn't mike yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to say anything else. I just passed. I just recently got past the episode where um, Oscar comes out. Well, he doesn't come out. He's been out, but you know, he's gay. Right. And like the whole office acknowledges it for the first time. And Michael Scott says, okay, that's it. I- I'm going to do it. And he-, he forces a kiss on Oscar to make it to, to make a point in his mind that he's making this point that he is not homophobic because he now kissed a man. But it's the most uncomfortable thing to watch, and it's so non-consensual, and it's oh, it's terrible. <laughs> well, the the cast is just so incredible at, at yeah. like keeping like their stone face during during those moments. I mean, but but you know they suffered because if you watch the bloopers, you realize they're just like us, where they're having the toughest time staying normal. That that's a tough job to have. <laughs> yeah, the office is a great one. It really is. That, that goes back into the into the allow yourself input. Uh, I I watch a lot of comedy and I care a lot about film and how things how other how other craft can inspire your own craft. Uh, like I think about the timing of humor is in a weird way really similar to like the timing of how you would emotionally score a like a, a film scene or something just being able to like pick up on those subtle, subtle cues and subvert expectations and things like that. So I couldn't agree more. I remember one thing they taught us at San Francisco state's film school was the fact that a screenplay can only tell the story so much, you know, don't get me wrong. There are movies out there that don't have uh, scores at all, but the music really does help with, orchestrating the the overall story and, and one demonstration of this was when our teacher would take out the original soundtrack for certain movies and for funsies would then put in a totally different genre of music and that would totally change the vibe of what you're experiencing while changing it so he would take like a dark horrible sad film and he'd replace it with a comedic sounding song like the one from curb your enthusiasm and it like it like totally changed the mood and I never had looked at a movie like that. And it really changed how I saw the whole thing. I, I imagine by the way, that's how comedians look at the world is, is they can take the soundtrack that comes naturally with their lives and change the song by adding in their own song to it, so to speak, you know, 
metaphorically speaking. So absolutely. Well, music and sound and audio, I view them as characters in their own right, you know? Uh, So you can, you can have like a, a tight cut close up on an actor's face and they're not doing anything and they're not seeing anything, but the right sound or the right, the right cue will, you know, affect what they're thinking about and inject that into the, into the listener, even if you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. Well said, well said. And, and and to add on to that, to the idea of the music being a character, did you ever see the show Westworld? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That show I've never seen. Season you- one. I only saw season one. Okay. To, to be honest, season one is the best season. You don't really need to see more than season one. Although season two and three are, are good. They're just not as good. Um, in my opinion, anyway, my humble opinion, but I will say that the character of the music alone is so defiant throughout the whole entire story of Westworld that I've never seen music play a part in a movie like, like, and sorry, in a show like that before ever. Yeah, I think the the biggest tones I would get watching that were how he can make almost any scene feel dreadful <laughs> in some way and have like ominous, like you have like this pit in your stomach, no matter what's happening on screen, that could be like in a, in a saloon or something. And you're just like, why do I feel uncomfortable right now? Right. It's like that show kind of manipulates all manipulations. He does the same thing in game of Thrones from yeah. Jawadi. Uh, yeah. You can use music to totally fuck with your audience, basically. <laughs> I don't know if we can say we could say bad words, but you you can totally cuss in this podcast. You can fucking cuss, as I like to say. How do you gauge whether or not you're successfully manipulating an audience the way you described with your music alone? So when I'm writing something, I try to let the picture inform what it needs, if that needs it, if it needs to be like guiding what the character you know it all comes down to how do you want the listener the what the viewer to feel right now what do you want them to feel um and then figuring out what is the best way to pull that off um with what you're seeing sometimes that means subverting an expectation sometimes that means uh building things up in a certain way. Sometimes it means, Hey, this scene does not need music. I've had that conversation with directors plenty. I'm like, well, well, we don't need music throughout this. This scene is haunting enough. And the sound design alone gets the, gets the message across. Uh, like, uh, especially in like horror or, 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 uh, drama stuff. It's very easy to overscore. Um, and just, letting things sit there sometimes is the best move. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's no one, there's no one size fits all for it. Uh, but really just trying to keep the goal of reminding yourself, what do I want? What do I want the listener to be feeling right now? What does the director want the listener to be feeling right now? And how do we best go about that? Um, be it with instruments or, the way you arrange arrange instruments or, you know, having like a really low drone thing and a really high, really high, like kind of thing. You're going to feel uneasy with something like that. Uh, yeah. Like, like there, there are as human beings who have grown up in the age of entertainment, media and music, everybody is an expert at listening to stuff and seeing like, we've all consumed so much media and so much music that the expectations of things are pretty much ingrained everywhere. So being aware of that makes it easier to like choose when to like lean into it and choose when to subvert it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like the, the real, like, back to the back to the horror horror scoring kind of thing i think the really obvious one is like there's this really haunting like dreadful scene and you play like a nursery rhyme music box 
the juxtaposition of that is gonna like be a little uneasy unsettling yeah yeah all 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 the way to the point where it has flipped on its head and that's not unexpected now like hearing a music box in a horror movie is like okay we've heard this a thousand times so just thinking about ways that you can take your own tastes and experiences and kind of like inject that a little bit into what you're doing and uh give people new things to look at and think about and hear and and i i really do believe that if the academy wasn't as biased as they are more horror films would win best sound design personally because the the horror films out there require the best of the best sound design the most subtle things to to tickle the nerves within you that that make your your spine spike from the sheer horror that you're seeing on the screen silently creeping up on you that you can't quite see that is true horror right there and it's all directed by audio it's all directed by the power of sound 100% um and, and one movie i could think of by the way that overscores that is guilty of overscoring it's such a good movie but it overscores star yeah. wars no i'm just kidding <laughs> don't talk badly about my star wars i love my star wars <laughs> i love john williams love yeah yeah um i would say the movie that overscores tremendously is a quiet place Ooh, that, that's a great horror movie I, I now i'm not a big horror movie person as it is by the way i i'm a coward okay i'm a grade a pussy when it comes to to these to these horror films right hey, but I, I can only play resident evil 7 when i have another person in the room yeah so. yeah <laughs> and I, I i'll never forget by the way like you want to know how much of a wimp i am um i remember my friend nick who's been on the podcast nick benjamin he and uh, he he invited me to come watch the movie Hereditary with him, and no no one else wanted to go see the movie Hereditary. And my dumbass was like, "Oh, a good bonding moment with Nick. Here we go." <laughs> and I next thing I know, Nick and I are legitimately backs pressed against the seats, cringing in our seats, holding hands as we're watching like the most fucked up shit on on the screen. It w- it was terrible to watch, it w- but it was but it was so well done personally. Like that was a. That was a mind fuck of a movie. I think that yeah. one, that to, to talk about the obvious, I mean, the opposite of uh, overscoring, that one really let you sit in moments and really build <laughs> dread. Like oh, anytime a character me. was walking through a scene, they were walking as slow as possible and your guts are just like falling out. You're like, whoa. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I think there's there's one key point that I really find admirable about what you what you have done with your career so far, Paul, and that is that you've that there was a slump, there was a period where you had extreme burnout that led to depression and, and some other personal areas that you know will only go into if you really want to. It's I want to be respectful of your personal self. We can get into any of it if you want. It's just. It could e- very easily become a whole other type of podcast. But- <laughs> sure, sure. And we've we've talked about we've talked about mental health in this podcast. But I want to ask you, what is advice that you would give to someone who might currently be experiencing that as we speak? And the reason why I ask that is because, you know, even though we can see light at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic, we're still in it, which means that there are plenty of people who still are suffering, and probably could use your wisdom. What wisdom would you give those people who are currently in that place that you were at once upon a time? Well, there's a few things I will say life in itself is always going to feel like a roller coaster. And I've certainly had, like I said, in January, I was very productive. February, I was like, not, (laughs) I was, it's, it's, it's very easy to like, to like hit these walls. Um, there's so many things though. Uh, for me, the biggest breakthrough and realization was realizing what expectations am I putting on myself? What expectations do I feel like I'm carrying from, you know, society saying like, Oh, you have to be working working hard to succeed or, you know, the whole, the whole capitalism idea, like success equals productivity 
equals money equals yada 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 suffering from depression is well one i would say take it seriously if it's legitimately depression or if you're just in a slump either way you know your feelings are valid and you should step back and definitely take it seriously and you know if necessary you know reach out to people and and uh talk to a doctor talk to you know therapy was great for me by the way <laughs> that was a that was a big a big step um just in becoming self-aware and like the way you talk to yourself and the way you like could be setting back to what I was saying before my brain shorted out uh the expectations thing I think was the the main thing um we carry a lot of the way we think we are supposed to be doing things and the way we think we should be working towards this future version of ourselves that has done X or has completed X and has achieved X, but stepping back and being present with yourself right now, being okay with yourself right now and loving yourself right now, uh, because the future version of you is not a real person yet. The past version of you is not real anymore either. All you have is right now and you should give yourself some grace. And if you're not, if you're not like doing the thing I know I need to be doing, do you really need to be doing that thing? And if yes, that's fine. But if it's like causing you dread, take a step back, listen to yourself, listen to your, Listen to what your body's telling you. Why, why are you like going into this fight or flight when you go into your day job every day? If it like, maybe there's something that your body's trying to tell you that you need to listen to. Um, but really give yourself some grace. Understand that it's okay to be in slumps. It's okay to go long periods of time without, you know, finishing the thing you've been working on for X amount of years or life isn't a zero sum game and it's okay to step back and take a breath, you know, maybe get rid of some of those expectations you put on yourself and maybe that'll relieve some of the pressure. I think that's really helpful wisdom. And I can tell you right now from what you've described that, you're not alone in the sense of, you know, learning when to listen to your body and also knowing when to be kind to yourself, knowing when to, you know, take it easy and realize that there's more to life than just slaving away and laboring hard at this intensive experience that a capitalistic society has kind of, you know, led us to believe if you ever uh, see that movie Modern Times by Charlie Chaplin, there's a lot of those themes that I think are kind of ingrained into American society. And, you know, I, even though I can, I tend to lean on the something, but something, you know, probably a little bit more on the, on the capitalist side. Cause I, I, I as someone who runs a business, I, I do find a lot of merit in what business does and, and earning a business, so to speak. And well, absolutely, and whatnot, you know, and there's, there's, if, if, you, if you're approaching capitalism and using it as the tool in which it is like, envision to be like it's a lot of fun to run a business it's a lot of fun to like kind of like play this almost like a tactics game of uh of just kind of making everything work and making everything run and, and growing and, and things there's there's a lot of good ways to do it but uh as long as long as you're not like assigning yourself worth to it <laughs> mm -hmm. you have to like be able to like say, okay, I'm going to try this thing. And if it fails, that's a stepping stone to another thing to try. Every, right. every success is what us. There's probably a ton of things like that, but it really sure. is every, every success is, you know, in the wake of failures that came before embracing that failure is one of the best things you can do for yourself as a mm -hmm. business person, as a creative person, 
just being like, yeah, f- failing's awesome. I learned so much from failing and like wear it as a badge of honor and like soldier forth. <laughs> well, I'm into that brother. And that's still a hard lesson from that. I have to learn every now and then, but nonetheless, it is such an important lesson to take hold of. And as you said, embrace Paul, if someone listening right now wanted to get a hold of you and contact you, collaborate with you, what is the best way to reach out? Currently the best way is probably Instagram. Uh, so at Paul underscore Melanson, M-E-L-A-N-C-O-N. Uh, that's a quick way to get a hold of me. Um, I used to have like the, I'm on all socials and I have my website and I have my, I found myself like spread so, like so, so thin across everything that I was just like, oh, just find me on Instagram. Sure. And that'll, that'll grow in the future, you know, as I'm like releasing my own project, my other, my sure. music project and stuff, but yeah. You know, this is a, this, the, the Mr. Thrive community is like, it's, it's a very, very diverse, very cool. You know, I've, I've, I was able to like listen to a couple of really cool episodes and you know, you have, you have like your networking events and all these cool things you're doing. So anyone within your community, you know, reach out, say hi. I love the attitude and thank you so much for the kind words. All of that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Paul, The question I ask everyone on this podcast, what will you be famous for? I will be famous for being someone who is successful in the music industry without having to compromise what kind of projects they want to do. Paul Melanson, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much, Paul. It's been a pleasure to have you on this podcast and you have such insightful wisdom. I'm so excited to watch your career blossom into what it's going to be. Congratulations. Thank you, Chaz. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you for listening. This podcast releases bi-weekly on Fridays. To attend one of our networking events, visit the registration link in the show notes or go to www.mrthrive.com. Would you like to be a guest on our show? Email chaz at mrthrive.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.